Thank you, Seth, very much. Continuing on in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 9, we're going to look at these two verses today, and this is what they say. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love justice and righteousness in the earth for in these things I delight declares the Lord you can be seated father we pray that you would as the psalmist wrote long ago open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your word father I pray that your Holy Spirit would do his work in convincing us of the truth and also convicting us of sin And Lord, for those who don't yet know you within the sound of my voice this morning, Lord, also doing this, converting souls. Lord, help us. Help us to take this word seriously. Lord, help us to take sin seriously. And help us to take you, Lord, seriously. We pray all this in your son's perfect name. Amen. Thank you very much for coming this morning, joining us at worship here at Christ Fellowship. I'm so thankful that you're here, and of course, it's no accident that you're here. And what a blessing that you can be here. I've titled the message this morning, False Confidence. False confidence, having a false confidence. You know that word confidence, it actually comes from two different words. In the Latin, con means with, and then fidence has the word fide in it, which is Faith or or faithfulness or faithful, that's where it comes from. So the word confidence means that you have faith in something. You're putting faith in something. Like, for example, if I'm going from Southside over into Rainbow City, I have to go over a bridge, and I go over it very often, and I drive my Jeep over that bridge with confidence based on past experiences, based on seeing the guy in front of me not plunge into the water, based on confidence in knowing that that steel looks pretty strong, that's going to hold my Jeep up as I go across it, and I've crossed over it many times with confidence. I have faith in the integrity of that bridge. It's possible to have a false confidence. It's possible to walk into something with faith, believing that this thing that I'm trusting in is going to come through. And it's false. It's empty. What you've got your faith in is false, like we see in this text. The wise man boasting in his wisdom, the mighty boasting in his might, the rich man boasting in his riches. And we've seen this text preached probably many times. I can remember in Bible college, one of the guests that came to our chapel, I still recall him preaching on this text. And that was, gosh, that was a long time ago. And I can remember it being powerful just because the principles in these two verses are powerful. This text is meant to humble men. This text shows him his place in the order of the universe to show man that he has a God over him who has authority over him. But if someone should think this is a bad thing, of course the scriptures make very clear that God exercises his authority for our good. We know that. There is a God and his laws are binding upon us. And these laws are laws meant to curtail our wickedness, 
Just like the laws in the land curtail certain actions. And his laws are also to show us a more perfect way. But all the while also pointing us to the cross of Christ when we fail to keep those laws. The Bible tells us very clearly that the law is a schoolmaster pointing us to Christ. So really this text, the principles of this text are to show us that your accolades, your abilities, your possessions, they'll fail you on the day of wrath. You might be saying, what? I don't see anything about wrath here. It just says nothing about wrath, Cohen. What do you mean that it's going to fail you on the day of, of wrath? He just says, don't boast in these things. Boast in the fact that you know God. Well, every text exists in a context. You may not know the context of this text, especially because it's usually just preached as a standalone message, and it does well for that. But the context of this verse, verses 23 and 24, these verses, is verse 22 and what comes before it. Look at verse 22 for a moment. Jeremiah 9. Speak, he's saying, Jeremiah, speak to these people. Which people? The people of Judah, the southern kingdom. They're the ones now remaining. The northern kingdom has already been carried away by the Assyrians. And now these people is in danger of being carried away as well. We've already seen the first chapters, one through eight so far, have been given this message again and again. You're turning away from me. You're turning away from my laws. You're being wicked. You're following other gods, false gods that you have not known and there's judgment coming. A nation will come and invade you. And he says this, Speak, Jeremiah, thus declares the Lord. This is what's going to happen. The dead bodies of men shall fall like dung upon the open field, like sheaves after the reaper, and none shall gather them. The first part there, I know all of you have looked upon a large cow pasture before. And even when the cows aren't there, You can tell where the cows have been, can't you? There's cow (laughs) remains everywhere they've been. And it just peppers the whole field, doesn't it? He's saying that image, those are going to be bodies. He also mentions this because these people would have known this example, like sheaves after the reaper and none shall gather them. Now, we don't know this as well, but an image of a reaper like this clip I've got here. This is a gentleman using what we call a reaper. And he's saying the bodies are going to be like these sheaves that have fallen and none to gather them. Like we saw those sheaves falling and falling and falling. He says, that's what the bodies are going to be like. So this text exists in the context of that judgment is coming upon you. And so now this text takes a bit more meaning to it. Because what's the boasting about? It's not just boasting in general. It's not just saying, don't boast, that's bad. You shouldn't do that. You should instead trust in the Lord. Though that's true, because we know all, at its heart, boasting points to self. But humility points to God. We know that boasting says, look at me, where humility says, look to God. But when it comes to judgment coming, 
men have often thought that I can outsmart this. I'll get away from this. Listen to Ecclesiastes 9. Ecclesiastes 9. Because see, this is nothing new. Ecclesiastes 9, 11 through 12. He says, again, I saw under the sun. Now, if you're not familiar with that book, when he says under the sun, he just means on planet earth. Everything that, everything that the sun touches, that's, that's what he's talking about. He says it over and over again. Again, I saw under the sun. The race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all, for man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. I heard, I think it was about roughly two years ago, there was a gentleman in the Gadsden area, I didn't know him, but Miss Tammy at the Pregnancy Testing Center brought him up. She said he was very healthy. He's like in his 50s, but he was very healthy, jogged, ate well, very fit, fell dead of a heart attack. No one saw it coming. He's a jogger after all, ate well, fit, thin, and he's dead. Maybe he was even trusting in his health, and we think, oh, I've still got 30 years probably. Look how good I eat. Look how much exercise I do. Things can fall upon men at any time. But these men, specifically in our text, are wicked men. Blatantly sinning against their God. We've already seen that in the first chapters of this book. This is not the first time Jeremiah is talking to them. Actually, the reason why we skip from chapter 7 last week to all the way to chapter 9 this week is because a lot of chapter 8 and a lot of chapter 9 even is poetry. It's in a poetic form. Still true. But he basically said a lot of what he already said in the narrative format in just a poetic form. So I didn't want to just essentially preach the same messages all over again. But one thing that he was saying in poetic form that was a little bit different is he was saying you need to bring mourners in like mourners at a funeral because there's death coming. And this judgment that's coming, he said it's going to climb through the window like a thief in the night. It's coming. You need to be mourning already unless you turn. And so this judgment's coming, and there's going to be a tendency for men upon hearing this from Jeremiah. First they say, we don't believe you, but even if what you said's right, there's going to be a tendency for this. Verse 23 Wise men boasting in their wisdom. You know what? Listen, I know how to get out of these scenarios, okay? I know how to get out of trouble, okay? I'm really smart, and I'm going to use my wits. I'm going to use my wits, my worldly wisdom, to get me out of this trouble. Even if, even if what you say is coming, even if this army's coming, you crazy kook of a prophet, I'll get out of it. I'm really smart. I know way more than you do. You're not that intelligent anyway. I'm learned. You're not. Look at my accolades. Look at my degrees. Look at my abilities. Proverbs 21.30. Listen to this. Proverbs 21.30. No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. And of course, this is talking about worldly wisdom. 
might recall, you might not, it's been a while, it's been about two years, I think, since we went through the book of Proverbs together. We talked about wisdom, how wisdom's thread all the way through that book, and we're supposed to pursue wisdom, and it's this word, chokmah, and that's godly wisdom in the context there, but it's the same word here, let not the wise man boast in his chokmah. It means skill, ability. Some men boast in that. I've got skill, I've got wit, I've got ability. I can get out of scenarios. I use my wits. And they trust in that. They boast in that. And Proverbs says, no wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. I was watching on YouTube the other day. It was Jordan Peterson. You might know him. He's kind of like this hmm, philosophical Canadian guy. Conservative. Don't agree on everything. He hasn't bought all the way into Christianity. I think he's close, but he hasn't bought all the way in. But he's got some good things to say. And he was on stage with this other gentleman, and they were talking about the resurrection of Jesus, but just resurrection in general. And this man on the right side of the stage who was talking to Jordan Peterson was basically saying, Resurrection's not possible. It's not possible. Cells don't regenerate on their own and, and come back to life after that, after they've died. It's not possible. Are you saying, Jordan Peterson, that you think it's, it's actually possible? And of course, Jordan, who hadn't bought all the way into the resurrection, who hadn't bought all the way into Christianity, didn't, didn't really have a good rebuttal from what I thought. But what I was thinking the whole time is this. Oh, it's not possible for you, but it's possible for God. God can do it. He has done it many times. And he showed it most clearly with Jesus Christ. So this man who everybody was swooning over because he's so learned, he has so many degrees, and everything he was saying, people were like, oh, yeah, oh, wow, he's so wonderful. Look how smart he is. His wisdom will not avail against the Lord. When the Lord comes down, that man's mouth will be silenced except for when he's praising God because the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he's the Lord. He will confess it one day. He will. I hope it's not too late for him on that day, though. I hope he turns. There is worldly counsel out there that will turn you off the path. Have you read The Pilgrim's Progress? I love that book. It's an analogy of the Christian walk that John Bunyan wrote long ago in the 1600s from jail. Why was he in jail, Cohen? What crimes did he commit? Preaching the truth in a church that was not registered. He had to preach out in the woods to a congregation. He had to go deep in the woods. And they imprisoned him for it. And while he was there, he wrote The Pilgrim's Progress. And in The Pilgrim's Progress, there's a character named worldly wise man. Christian's trying to get this burden off his back, which represents his sin. Evangelist has met him already and told him where to go. Follow this narrow path. That's, that's going to lead you to the cross, and that's going to lead you to the celestial city. Stay on this narrow path. And <laughs> this is what Christian says to worldly wise man when they meet. He says, I know what I want to obtain, asserted Christian, ease from my heavy burden. Then why do you seek for ease in this perilous way, asked worldly wise man, seeing that so many dangers attended you, 
because he's already fell into some dangers along the narrow path, especially since have you the sense to listen to me? I could direct you how to obtain what you desire without all these dangers. Yes, with my remedy, you shall gain much safety, friendship, and happiness. Please, sir, reveal this secret to me, begged Christian. Why, in yonder village named Morality, there dwells a gentleman whose name is Legality, he says. And what happens to Christian? He goes off the narrow way, and he tries to climb this mountain up to the village of morality, and that mountain represents the law. And guess what? He tries to climb it and tries to climb it, and he can't get up it, and it keeps crumbling and falling upon him because no man can keep the law. See, worldly wise man said, get off the narrow path. Worldly wisdom will always do that to you. Worldly wisdom always will try and tempt you to get off God's narrow way. Always. Always. What about the mighty men? What about those who said, oh, an army's coming, eh? (laughs) Bring it on. I'm strong. I'm mighty. You wait and see what I do to those guys when they come against me. It's going to be a bloodbath. They're not getting me. I'll keep being exactly who I want to be because I'm Mighty. What about them? Jeremiah 7, 5. Later on in this book, Jeremiah 7, 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh, flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. You see those things? Cursed, he says, are you. If you trust in man and make flesh your strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. See, anytime you trust in anything but the Lord, like I told you, trusting in worldly wisdom gets you off the path. Trusting in man turns your heart from the Lord. Anything but the Lord, anything but his truth will turn you away from his truth. It's very black and white when it comes to these things. The world doesn't like that. The world loves to exist in the gray. Surely, surely these Absolutes are not really absolute. There was a survey done among people that called themselves born-again evangelical Christians. And there was a large percentage of them who said, there is no such thing as absolute truth. (laughs) Born-again evangelical Christians who don't believe in absolute truth Tell me, how did you become a born-again evangelical Christian? How? Was it because you believed the words of this book? Last I checked, that's the only way to become a born-again evangelical Christian is by believing the gospel of Jesus Christ that you're a sinner separated from God by your sin, that Jesus Christ came to die, lived a perfect life on your behalf, keeping the law that you've broken, died in your place as though he was sinful, though he was sinless, and shed his blood and was buried, rose again from the dead, and on the third day, rose again from the dead on the third day, and through faith in his name, that's the only way salvation is attained, because he took the punishment that you deserve. 
Otherwise, you have to take that punishment. That's the only way to be saved according to the Scriptures. And Paul said, if any man preach any other gospel besides the gospel that you heard from me, besides the gospel that I presented to you, let him be accursed. Same word we have here. Cursed is the man who trusts in man. A mighty man who trusts in might. We trust in any kind of might. Isaiah 31.1. Listen to this. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses who trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. But do not look to the Holy One of Israel or consult the Lord. Do you know what a woe is? A woe upon someone? It's the opposite of a blessing. When Jesus said, blessed are these people, blessed are these people, woe to these people, woe to these people. A woe is the opposite of a blessing. A woe is another word for a curse. Anytime you do these things, you're putting yourself under a curse because you've turned away from what the Lord said. It's that simple. I remember thinking long ago how thankful I was to live in America because when it comes to military might, we're number one. Yes, people don't mess with us because we're the kid on the block with the biggest stick. And I remember feeling secure in that. Woe to me for that. Woe to me for that. Because some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. You know how many civilizations have been mighty and they thought they were the mighty powerhouse that have fallen? So many over the years. So many. And they usually crumble from within. Now look at America. Look at our military commercials even that we're throwing out there. Hey, look at us. Join us because we're so inclusive. I saw a comparison between our military recruitment commercials recently and those from China and Russia. (laughs) We don't look so tough in those commercials. We don't trust in military might like these people were doing. This judgment won't come upon me because I'm strong and I have ability. And people were even saying, you know what? We can go down to Egypt. They have a big military. They have lots of horses and lots of men. And God says, you're cursed if you do that. What about the third thing that people are trusting in here? Their riches. You can get out of a lot of trouble here on earth, can't you, if you have money? We know tons of examples. People are popping up in your mind right now. Some political figures are popping up in my mind right now. They get out of trouble because they have a lot of money. And it makes us sick, right? We say, oh, oh, shouldn't be that way. Well, because we all have a sense of justice within us. But even we can trust in our riches to get us out of trouble. When we were missionaries, as you know, south of our border here, Corruption abounds in a lot of those countries. Not all of them, but a lot of them, okay? Corruption just abounds. And we saw, heard about people getting out of legal problems with money. There were a lot of um, checkpoints along the road. Men, it's different, it's different there too because they're in full camo and they have really big guns and it's, uh, it's very intimidating. 
So they stop you at a checkpoint, and sometimes they'll just harass you just because they get money out of you. And a, a friend of mine there told me, I say friend, not a Christian friend, just a guy that I was befriending to try to share the gospel with, and he told me, he said, oh yeah, yeah, I mean, you can get through any of those checkpoints with anything in your car if you just pay those guys. You just pay them. People get out of trouble in the court system. Money, pay the guy, pay the judge. You can get out of trouble. And that's what people were doing in this day too. This is, not much has changed. They were saying, I'm rich. I can get out of trouble. I've got a friend who once told me, he said, my goal in trading, because he was into trading the crypto market, stock market, he said, my goal is $23 million. <laughs> I was like, I mean, a million would be good for me. But 23, okay, why? He said, it's what I've read, it's what I've heard. 23 million will get you out of almost any legal trouble, anywhere, any, anything. If you have 23 million, you can get out of almost any legal trouble. So that's my goal. <laughs> and the whole time I was thinking, I, I'm just trusting in God. <laughs> I don't plan on being in any, in any legal trouble. <laughs> but with the way things are going and the attack on truth, I mean, I might be before I die. But I was just thinking in my head the whole time, yeah, I'm just trusting in God. I don't, I'm not trusting in 23 million. But that shows where men's hearts are still at, doesn't it? Thankfully, he's changed his mind. That's good news. I have praise on that. I have praise on that gentleman. He's coming to know the Lord, and now we can laugh about that together. Proverbs 11.4. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Riches profit not on the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. I've actually heard Brian Harrison quote this one a lot of times. It's just so true, because we, we trust in this. As Americans, we fall back on our riches a lot. We do. Maybe not to deliver us from wrath, but I can remember thinking back in the day, boy, this is bad, but, but you know, we've got that little nest egg. We've got that little nest egg, so everything's probably going to be okay. And then the Lord takes away the nest egg. And you say, well, I guess I have to pray now. <laughs> it's good. I'm glad God in the past has taken away our nest egg. I'm glad for, in the past, financial strengths constraints and strain because it made us pray. I'm glad he made us missionaries dependent upon faith to keep us there. We weren't with the IMB. We weren't with the, that's the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist, which means they pay you to be there. We weren't with them. It made us pray and not depend on wealth. And what a blessing. So, Judgment's coming. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let, let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches because men boast about these things. Men are proud of these things. Men are proud of their accolades. They will rest in their accolades. Listen to this before we go on to the second half. You might recall the Apostle Paul doing something similar. Philippians 3, verses 4 through 9. He gives a long list of things he could have boasted in, things he could have trusted in, actually things he did trust in. Look at this. Though I myself have reason for confidence, 
There's our word, confidence, with faith. He was putting faith in these things. I have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Let me tell you why I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day. So from the very beginning, he comes from godly parents who obeyed the law and took him to get circumcised on the eighth day because that was a law according to the law of Moses. And if you were a good Jew with good Jewish parents, they did this. And it was a big deal. He said, I started out right. Okay, I came from good stock. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel. It's a Jew. Not only that, of the tribe of Benjamin. Think about where he is in human history at this point. The people from the northern kingdom way in the past were carried off by the Assyrians and they were dispersed among the people. They intermarried among the people. As far as we know, they didn't come back to Jerusalem. That's why they call them the dispersion. And the people that were in Judah, tribe of Judah, tribe of Benjamin, they were carried off but they came back. What he's saying here is, I can trace my lineage back. I wasn't among those people that intermarried with the other pagan nations around them and just sort of fizzled out into nothing. I can trace my heritage back. I'm a pure blood. That's essentially what he's saying. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew of Hebrews. How so? As to the law of Pharisee. Boy, I took it real seriously insanely seriously tithing from mint and cumin as to zeal how zealous were you Paul a persecutor of the church I didn't just say I was zealous I did stuff I grabbed Christians out of their house and said get in jail with my own hands that's how zealous I was as to righteousness under the law blameless he said you could have looked at me looked at my life and found nothing wrong according to the law. I was doing it all on the outside. But whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing wealth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. We were talking about field of dung earlier. That's actually what that word is. (laughs) Not just rubbish, but dung. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So now, earlier he said, I had confidence in the flesh. Remember, that comes from confide, which means with faithfulness. Or with faith. Now what's he saying he has faith in? Christ. That's where my faith lies now. Not in my flesh anymore. In Christ alone. Amen. Paul. I think the Lord, he changed that proud man. He changed him. So when we keep going, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom or the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his Riches, but let him who boasts boast in this. What, Jeremiah, tell us, as you're speaking for God, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord. That's our only boast, and that's what Paul was boasting in as well, wasn't he? That he knew the Lord. 
understands and knows the Lord. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. This understanding comes up a lot in that chapter. Listen to this. Just the first 15 verses. Proverbs 2, 1 through 15. Listen, listen how many times either says understands or understand. Listen. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity in every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil, delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. This understanding is the understanding of God, who God is, what he's like. That's what this understanding is, the understanding of God and who he is and what he's like. Let him boast that he understands and knows me. This knowing God. John 17, verses 1 through 3. Mark Mills, have you ever read that chapter, John 17? We were trying to memorize that together back in the past. That's hard to memorize that chapter. It is meaty. When Jesus has spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you, since you gave him authority over all flesh. Look at this. To give eternal life to all whom you have given me. And this is eternal life. Jesus is about to define eternal life for us. What is it, Jesus? What is eternal life? This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus said eternal life is knowing God. That's why he says in Jeremiah, in our text, let him boast in this, that he understands and knows me. As if he knows me, his eternal life, he is truly living. He has eternal life. Then he tells us what he's like. That he understands and knows me, that I'm the Lord. I am Yahweh. I'm the only one the true, eternal God who practices steadfast love. We like that part. Steadfast love. If you're steadfast, that means you're true. You're always going to be there. You're always going to do it consistently. Steadfast. It's going to always be there and always be the same. Never change. Immovable. It's steadfast. We love that part. Practices steadfast love and praise Jesus for that, right? Oh my gosh. He also practices this, justice. And it's because of his steadfast love that he's also just. You know what it means to be just? 
or to exercise justice. You know, here on earth, our judges have a title. We call them justice. Like you've heard of Justice Scalia, perhaps, or Justice Marshall. We call them justice because that's what they're supposed to be exercising. They uphold the just law. And Jesus, the Lord rather, he says, I practice also justice. It's because he has steadfast love that he practices justice. You know why? Because he loves the truth. He loves righteousness, as we see next, because he says, I practice righteousness in the earth. You know what that means? He always does what's right. Consistently, God does what is right. And praise God for that. This is the God that they're supposed to be following. Instead, they're following the sinful desires of their heart that fly right in the face of this God who is loving and just and righteous. They're doing everything that's contrary to those things. They're walking in those ways, and that's why he's sending this judgment. But they could turn. All this is a warning for them. It's not just saying, hey, it's coming, so the end. Any warning that God gives has built within it a chance for you to turn from it. Just like in the book of Jonah. Yet 30 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's all we get from Jonah. And the people said, what? Well, then we need to repent and put on sackcloth and ashes and fast. And guess what? God relented. They repented and God relented. And so praise God. This warning is to make them say, I'm in trouble, so therefore, I think I'll believe what God's saying about me, and I think I'll turn and I'll take his way out that he's already provided. And this is what is meant for you now. Are you, are you trusting in your wit and your skill and your degrees to save you? Are you trusting in your might? No, I'm strong. I can do this and I can do that. That's going to get me through. Are you trusting in your riches? We have got a lot of money. Everything's going to be fine with us. I'm telling you, it can be gone in a moment. It can be. All of it. In a moment. And none of it's going to be there on the day of judgment. Zero. You'll be standing there alone. And the only thing that will save you on that day is Christ, if you've been in him. So if you're trusting in any of these things, you're boasting in any of these things, it can change in a moment. Just like I told you, our, our nest egg got, has been dried up in the past, gone. You know that your health has been gone in the past. Butch didn't plan on falling out of a tree in a day. Perfect health before that. Well, probably darn near perfect, right? I mean, he's so healthy. And he's in a coma for a month and a half. Mighty men, they can be humbled in a moment. Anyone of us can. We can't trust in these things. We have to trust in the Lord. Listen to what Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this not of your doing. It's the gift of God, not, a reserve, not of works so that no one can boast. No one in heaven is going to say, hey, nudge, nudge, I'm up here because I was good. 
Hey, I'm up here because I gave this much money to the church. Hey, I'm up here because, nudge, nudge, I'm pretty awesome. Boasting is excluded. We're saved by grace through faith. We all struggle with pride. Every man in here, every one of us. When I say man, you guys know I speak in a sort of an old-fashioned way. I still say mankind, and Christ died for all men. We all struggle with boasting. We all struggle with pride from time to time. But like I said at the beginning, at its heart, boasting points to self, but humility points to God. And I said this, boasting says, look at me, and humility says, look to God. We all must do that. If you've not done that yet, when it comes to your salvation, I beg you, let today be that day that you come to the Lord. He's done everything that you need. If you're like me, and you've already come to the Lord, and you still struggle with pride from time to time, ask God to help you and trust only in Christ for all things. He's totally sufficient. Don't have a false confidence in yourself. Have a true confidence in Christ, the only one who's absolutely faithful. Father, we thank you for this word. We pray that you would please, Lord, draw sinners to yourself so that they can avoid the day of wrath. And Lord, we thank you for those of us who are in Christ, that you've already done everything to avoid that day of wrath. We thank you, Lord, that you've saved us and brought us into your mighty kingdom, the kingdom of light and life. Lord, I pray that for everyone. We trust you and we trust your word. Help us to do it more and more fully, putting no confidence in the flesh at all, but only being full of faith in the one true God. We pray this, Lord, in your son's perfect name. Amen.